children of God. We have an amazing passage before us today, and you'll see in your sermon notes on the back of the bulletin, there's four things that these verses are going to bring out, four, four aspects of what it looks like to be a child of God. Now, there's more, certainly, than these verses contain, but these four things are significant, and I think they'll be a blessing to us as we move through. Let's begin by considering two categories of people this morning that may be uh, hearing these verses, either in person here or, or online. There might be someone who is here and confident. Yes, I'm a Christian. Of course I'm a Christian. But the problem is, is that they're not. That's kind of a problem. That it's so easy in our day to be overconfident with a label or even a, a kind of a culture of Christianity uh, and, and not be saved. It's dangerously possible to be in church and to be in this condition. Jesus said, many will say, Lord, Lord, you know, didn't I go to Good Shepherd every Sunday? And he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. And then he adds, workers of lawlessness. And so for those who may find themselves in an overconfident place, thinking that they are saved, may these verses serve you today to unveil what is true about the nature of your heart, the situation you may find yourself in. These verses are helpful for the overconfident unsaved, the unsaved Christian, as you might say. They're also tremendously helpful for the Christian who is saved, but who is insecure, who, who fears regularly that he is uh, going to sin his way out of grace, or that, that maybe the Father looks upon him with a frown, or that, that maybe he should fear wrath from his Father. For those who may find themselves in this situation, these verses are tremendously encouraging. The insecure and fearful Christian, the one who is saved. If you're looking at that, that, that screen and you're saying, well, I, I don't think I'm either one of those. Well, good news. These verses will be a tremendous encouragement to you as well. These are spectacular verses that reveal to us, again, so much of the ministry of the Spirit of God who lives in you, Christian. He's a deposit of what is to come, a seal for your final salvation and glorification, and far, far more. And so let's, let's dig in and, and, and pray that the Lord will meet us in that way as we move through these verses. So children of God, number one, children of God are empowered and led by the Holy Spirit. Empowered and led by the Spirit. Verse 12 so then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. And, and the die here is hell, perish, eternal damnation. That is what is in view. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. Well, that's not a surprise to us because we've covered so much of what it looks like to live according to the flesh. It's death, certain death. He finishes by saying this, uh, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You will live. Now, this is not an easy couple of verses here. Let's look at the first part. Brothers, 
we are debtors not to the flesh. Now, why did he say it that way? He could have said it in another order that would have flowed more easily. For instance, we are not debtors to the flesh. That's not what he said. He said, we are debtors not to the flesh. You see what the, the difference? We are debtors, aren't we? We are all of us who are saved by God's grace in, through the sacrifice of Christ. We are debtors. But not to the flesh. That didn't save anybody. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. There's nothing in the flesh that we could, could give uh, allegiance to or owe in any way. This is the song of the Christian. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. I contributed nothing. I brought nothing to the table. I am not in debt to, the, 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 to, to live according to the flesh. There's nothing there. Nothing binding. Nothing that would call me back to the dark. You ask the question this way. What did sin ever do for you? What did your sin ever do for you? Death, darkness, emptiness, hollowness, feel, kill, destroy. That's what it did for you. There's no allegiance there. We are debtors to the grace of God that met us in Jesus Christ in the Gospel. And then he says it this way, and you've got to see this. This is a real condition. Don't ever... Um, read a verse and say, well, that can't mean what it means, so I'm going to change what it says. No, we interpret Scripture with Scripture. Whenever you find a verse that has a condition and it sounds like a works-based salvation, you know it's not because that's not what the gospel is. We are saved by grace, not by works. So we have to interpret this condition in light of the gospel. The if there is real. And, and you could circle that in your Bible. Circle both ifs. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to the death the deeds of the, of the body, you will live. That sounds like human beings are justified in His sight by what we do. But that's not the case. The condition is real. The call is meeting the person who would be uh, hearing this message confident in themselves, but their life is lived according to the flesh. They're confident that they are a Christian, but their life denies that confidence. Paul wants to be clear again and again. He drives this point home. If you are living for the world, you are going to hell. Case closed. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. It is categorically death. You are dead and you will perish if you set your mind on, on the things of the flesh. If you live for the world, you will die. You will die. You will, you will experience the wrath of God. It doesn't matter if you carry the label Christian or not. If your life is lived for the world and you darken the doors of the church every Sunday, but your heart is set on this world and for sin, you are not saved. Hear this loud and clear. No amount of singing, standing, sitting, giving, serving, leading, preaching will change the person whose mind is set on the flesh, who lives according to the flesh. They are dead and they will perish. 
It's a real condition. Remember the root and the fruit. We're dealing here not with the root, how is a person saved, but what is the effect of the salvation of a person? Someone who is saved is no longer set for the world. They are set for Christ. No turning back. My life is is on course for Christ. I want to live for Him, obey Him, honor Him. I want to put to death the deeds of the body. That's what a Christian says. That's fruit. And let me tell you this. All believers who are genuinely saved will go to war with the deeds of the body. It is not if you feel like it. It is a command, a call, and an evidence of a total radical change that has taken place inside of you. You are not who you were. Everything about your life has changed. Repentance itself means a, a changing of the mind, a turning, turning your back on sin and turning your face toward Christ. Lead on, King Jesus. Hmm. John Owen said it this way many years ago, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. What a great thing to write in the opening page of your Bible. When you open your Bible, that's a great line to read. And this, by the way, is you could say it this way. Christian, be killing sin. Be about the work of mortification, putting to death the deeds of the body. If you are not about that work, and you are living happy-hearted in your sin, you are perishing, and you will go to hell. The gospel is good news for those who once lived here, and then they are changed not to live here anymore, but to go to war with what they used to love. You see the difference? I just want, I want to be so clear on this. You can put the label on. You can change the dial to praise 106.5. You can do all the things you want. If you are still living for the, the darkness, you are not saved. You need to run back to Jesus again and look at what He paid to free you from the dark. Read the, the, gospel, uh, the, the letter of 1 John over and over. Oh man, John nails it so clear. If we claim to be in the light, yet we walk in darkness, we lie. We, we're we're self-deceived. Hmm. How do you kill the deeds of the body? Have you ever wondered that? What does it look like to kill deeds? Right? Well, when I think deeds, I think weeds. Okay? How do you kill weeds? Some of you, at some point in your life, have looked out your front window and seen something hopefully not quite that bad. But you've at least had a neighbor, maybe, who has a front yard that maybe looks about like this. The question is, what are you going to do about it? The, the, the question is not, are there dandelions in your life? Okay, that, that is not a question. You have them in your front yard. Okay? They are in your life. The question is, what are you doing about them? Are you at war with them or at peace? The person who would walk into the church this morning and say, you know what? I've embraced yellow over green. I'm good. Live and let live. I'm not worried about my sin. 
In fact, it's kind of pretty. I don't mind it. And you just let it grow. You're going to hell. You see what I'm saying? If you aren't at war with deeds, if you aren't at war with weeds, you are perishing. You're not alive in Christ. To be alive in Christ is to make war on the dandelion in your life, in your heart. Find them. Now, there are some Christians who have made war and it looks a bit like this. <clears throat> Look at this guy. He definitely has a weed problem. Um, but is this an effective strategy for eliminating the weeds in his life? He sees a weed and he brings the mower and he lops off the flower, the top, the deeds of the body. How do you kill deeds? You can't kill deeds by chopping off the tops of the weed. What do you have to do? You've got to go to the root. You've got to go deeper than just, oh, there's a sin. No. Why did that take place? What led to that? And here's the secret. What desire? What is it that I believe that informed that action? What did I long for? What did I love more than Christ that led me to respond in such a selfish way? You see, the, the difference here, we are not called to lawnmower sanctification. We are called to round up sanctification. Go for the roots. You've got to go after the roots. This is a zealous and vigilant warfare. This is what it means, my friends, to live the Christian life. You remember a number of Sundays ago, we, 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 we made war on sin. Make war on your sin. That is exactly the echo here. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you mortify, you you spray down those weeds. Go after the roots. Choke them out. Oh Lord, reveal to me the desire that is wrong and the echo of the past. Inform it with a greater desire for holiness. I want to choke out that expression of sin in my life categorically. I don't want to tolerate it anymore. I want to kill it. I want to kill it. That's the kind of tenacity. Uh, it's violent aggressiveness to kill sin don't mow the weeds any longer choke them out jesus did not mince words if your hand causes you to sin then cut it off it's better for you to enter life crippled with than with two hands and go to hell to the unquenchable fire don't miss the words of Christ in love, warning His people. If your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom with one eye than with two eyes be thrown into hell where their worm does not die and their fire and the fire is not quenched. Jesus is not saying literally chop your hand off. He's not talking about mutilating your bodies he's talking about warfare throw the computer in the trash if you need to 
Get one of those old phones if you need to. Cancel the subscription. I mean, throw away the TV. What's it worth to you? What is it worth? Would you rather coddle sin and play games in this short life and enter the fires of hell? Or are you ready to make war? This is sanctification. Do you see why it's not just a, a walk in the park? This, this, is, this is battle. This is, there's weeds in my life. I hate the weeds and I will go after them with everything I am. Do you, have you had a neighbor on the other end of this? The guy that is like literally on the weed, as soon as it begins to show up in his yard, he's out there, bam, you know, just digging in holes and rooting it out. That's us. That's Christians. That's what we're supposed to do with sin. Find it. Kill it. Be aggressive. This is not laissez-faire, lay back and hope it goes away. Ride the escalator of sanctification until glory. No, this is all-out war. What's the secret? This is the secret. By the Spirit. This is the most important three words in the entire verse. How do we kill sin? By the Spirit. This, this is so huge. If you go about this with your own willpower alone, you will fail over and over. We need to draw upon a resource larger than ourselves to win the battle over sin in our lives. Hmm. I was thinking about opening day. This is, this is opening weekend. We've got a number of people in our church going after that elusive buck, right? They're up there in the mountains suffering today, hoping to fill the freezer. Here's the question. Who kills the big buck? The hunter or the gun? Yeah. You see what I mean? It's both. Where is the power in the equation? Does the hunter hide in the tree, jump on the deer, choke him out, and then drag him home? No, he has a gun. That's the power. That's what stopping power looks like. You get that rifle, you dial it in, you target that sin, and then you pull the trigger, and you let the power loose. That's the Spirit of God in your life, Christian. You have the weaponry. It's not the question of if you have the weaponry. You have it. it is, it's like an RPG in your hunting arsenal. Use it. Turn the Spirit's power loose on sin. Go after it with all your might. How do you do that? Pray. Here's a prayer. Well, Lord, I know there is sin in my life. I am an inconsistent man. I have in me your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy. And yet I sin. And that is not okay with me. I pray that in the power of the Holy Spirit, you would help me to hunt down and put to death the sin in my life. Show me my sin. Oh, David prayed this. Show if there be any wicked way in me. Show me. Open my eyes to see what I would miss on my own. Through the power of your Spirit, get that scope dialed in on it. Put the crosshairs on the sin in my life. 
And, oh God, help me to kill it. Give victory, I pray, through the power of your Spirit. Help me to obey you, to love you, to love you more than sin in my life. Help me to catch it. Call it what it is and put it to death. I think this is a a powerful imagery of what it looks like to walk in the Christian life. Keep your weapon handy. Now, I didn't bring one of my many deer rifles today because I didn't want to freak anybody out. I've never used a gun in an illustration yet, but I've wanted to, okay? This would have been the perfect weekend for me to be strapping my, my gun and just packing it around. That's what you have in the Holy Spirit. You are strapped with power from on high to unleash sin-destroying power in your life. Is that a longing of your heart? Do you wake up in the morning saying, oh God, I want to be holy. I want to be holy today. I want to obey you. Please, you walk in the light. Let's go hunting. Let's go after that sin. Thank you, Spirit, for your word, for the power, for prayer. I look to you. Open my eyes through your word to see what is good and true and beautiful. Set my mind there. And the contrast, we seek to kill it. Paul goes on and says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. That's an amazing statement. If you are led by the Spirit of God, led there is more than just directed. Okay, It's controlled controlled it's not just that i am uh, guided which we are right we're, we're guided by the holy spirit through his word certainly but it's more than that it is it is to be under the control of the holy spirit surrendered to god delighting in holiness longing for obedience if that is your disposition you're a son you're a son. Now all the ladies are like, what, what about us? Daughters? It doesn't say, the NIV is wrong here. It does not say children here. It says sons. That is significant because sons were given the inheritance. A double portion. Sons, even adopted sons, can receive all the rights and privileges of uh, being, being, being an heir. Of God. So son is purposeful, led by the Spirit. An evidence of your sonship, Christian, is a life under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And when I say those words, I hope you think under the influence. Think, think uh, DUI, okay? This is what Paul connects for us. He says this, do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery. That's sinful. It's not okay. Being drunk or intoxicated with wine, under the influence of wine. How does he contrast it, though? Look at the contrast. Don't do this, but instead, like this, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be under the influence. Be controlled by. Be intoxicated with the Holy Spirit of God. How do you do that? Saturate in the Word, which the Holy Spirit has written and brought to you and opens your eyes. We are saturated in the Word. We are intoxicated with the Spirit of God as we read His very Word and His Word lives in us in power. Pray, 
Oh, God, make me holy. I want to be in step with your spirit. Lead me. Guide me. Hmm. So, number one, the children of God are empowered and led uh, by the spirit. Number two, children of God have intimate access to the Father. Intimate access to the Father. Look at this verse. It's truly just spectacular. For you, Christian, believer in Christ, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit, capital S, of adoption as sons. There it is again, as sons. By whom we cry, Abba, Father. Oh man, what a special verse this is. Jesus in the garden, when the weight of all that was coming toward Him, increasingly the weight of our sins was set upon Him, as He cried out in the garden, He said, Abba, Father, if there be any way, if it be possible, let this cup be removed from Me. But not My will be done, but Yours. This was an intimate relationship, a cry for help. A look to the Father who gives generously to all without reproach. Hmm. Abba, Father. We have been given the spirit of adoption. So much takes place when you are made alive in Christ. You are justified, declared righteous. You are given the seal of the Holy Spirit. You are adopted instantaneously into the family of God. You are His no condemnation. No fear. No spirit of fear. We don't, we don't walk in the, uh, the, the, the quorum deo the, un, under the face of God fearing that we are going to somehow be thrown into the fires of hell. We walk as forgiven sons. The full sonship. All the privileges and the rights that would be assigned to a son. We have, and doubly so. Think of this. The Jews were given adoption. All of this through Christ, right? By faith, they were given adoption. We, twice removed, Gentiles, were adopted in. And all the promises that God made to Abraham are ours by faith. That is amazing. Gentiles, twice blessed as adopted sons. There's no second tier. There's no you know, hierarchy of, of adoption in this sense like, well, first Jesus and then the Jews and then, and then, well, you Washingtonians way down the line. No, it's not like that. Sons, we're going to see sharing in the very blessing of Christ. The Son. That's what's coming. We run to our Abba Father. I don't know if you've had these experiences recently, but I know many who are watching today have. Um, when we had COVID, I had these, these moments where I would just cry out. I was just exhausted. Just absolutely at my end. And i just cry out, Oh, Father. Father, help me. I need you. I look to you. 
there have been times in my life where it's hard to go to sleep because of the weight and the pressure or the fear, the situations that we face. And I will often picture myself, some of you have heard me counsel you this way, I will often picture myself as I fall asleep curled up like a little child in the hands of God who holds me. I'm there, right there in His hand. I'm safe. He's my dad. I'm His child. What have I to fear? We cry out to Him. In our weakness, He is strong. In all that we lack, He lacks nothing. And because of what Jesus has done for us through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are His forever, come what may. What's the worst that can happen to us? To live is Christ. To die is gain. To die is gain. I would encourage you, you may find yourself in a situation where you don't even know what to pray. You don't, you don't know the words to say. You're just overwhelmed. Just cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. You're my Father. I love you. Thank you for loving me. I look to you. I cry out to you. Help me. Help me. We have this intimate access. I think of the Kennedy desk. Uh, remember that in the White House? How the kids had that little trap door down at the, what is that desk called? The Resolute desk or whatever. They, they had the trap door for the kids to play in. And they had access. Who, who, what other child on this earth could walk into the Oval Office and crawl around the chair of the President of the United States but the child of that President. We have access like that. We, we are invited into the throne room of God Himself. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. Don't fear. Don't hold back. Don't hesitate. Run. Run to Him so that you might receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. You're a child. You're His. Hmm. Number three, children of God receive assurance of sonship. Assurance of sonship. This is tremendous. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Uh, this is an amazing verse. God has given us His Spirit who is indwelling you, Christian, right now, in full. He is there. He is the resident power in your life. And He is at work with your spirit, even as I speak these words, to land them, to open your eyes to the Word of God, to reassure your heart, to overcome your, your fear to comfort you. Theologians refer to this as the internal testimony of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people say, Pastor, I, I don't know if, if I'm a Christian. Can I know that I'm a Christian? And I answer 100% yes, you can. There are many reasons I would say that. But number one, all who believe in the name of Jesus Christ will be saved. So start at the Gospel and work forward. 
Do you trust Jesus as Savior and Lord? Yes, I do. You're His. You're His. Then, how is that showing itself in your life? Well, let's look. Let's look. Look at what the Spirit of God does. Here's a little short list. He comforts and encourages believers. He comforts you. He convicts you of sin and gives victory over sin. So, Christian, look back in your life. Do you feel like you've grown? Can you see evidence of growth in your life? Now, be careful here. This is serious stuff. Assurance is found from the Spirit in evidence of His work in our life. If you are here and you're carrying the label Christian and there's no evidence but darkness, don't be encouraged that you're okay. This is a, these are equal truths, right? It's so important to keep this. But if you see evidence, not perfection, but progression, out of the dark and into the light. Oh, these promptings to pray. Both Jenny and I this week experienced this. Sometimes we wake up early and we're like, what is this, Lord? Really early. Well, I think I should pray. Who should I pray for? What is this? What, what's going on? We don't even know. Sometimes we just pray. Have you had this experience where you just you feel prompted to pray? God will bring someone to mind through His Spirit and you begin to intercede. Lord, you know the situation. I don't know what's happening, but I pray for them now. That's the Spirit. That's the Spirit working with your Spirit. Leading, guiding, prompting to pray. Prompting to praise. Oh, man. When you see something beautiful in creation and your heart soars, not just with lowercase b, beauty, the beauty of creation, but uppercase b, the beauty of the Creator who made it. That is the Spirit of God. Swelling your heart to praise Him. Reading and recalling verses. This is an amazing experience. As you study, as you dig, as you read, He opens your eyes to see and understand. And increasingly so, He will bring these verses to mind. This happens to me constantly. I'll see a picture. For instance, some of these posts I've done on Facebook recently. I'll see a picture that just blows me away. And then I'll just say, what verse just flies out of that picture? What, what verse echoes in my mind and the spirit will be just shotgun blasts of verses in scripture that is the holy spirit at work in your life warm boldness in evangelism oh we don't always know what to say but the spirit of god will lead and prompt and bring scripture to mind and and guide and direct there's a warm boldness not a cold angry you know trust Jesus or I'm going to punch you. Not like that. But a warm boldness. That's the Spirit of God. Get past yourself. Love your neighbor. Have a heart of compassion. Speak words of truth, even if it costs you. Contentment and satisfaction in Christ. Oh, this is the Spirit's work. The Spirit of God constantly draws attention not to Himself, but to Christ. To Christ. Oh, for all who have come out of the charismatic background, learn this point and live it. The Spirit loves to glorify Christ. Not all these goofy manifestations of whatnot, right? 
His delight is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he points attention to him constantly. Not gold dust and liver quivers. Do you have a delight and a desire to know God more? Guess where that comes from? The Holy Spirit. He's stirring you and delighting. You taste and you see, oh, it's good. I want more. Yes, that's the Spirit of God. Working with your spirit. Giving that appetite for His Word. If you don't have that, then pray for it. Oh God, show me more of Your glory, Your beauty. I want more of You in this way. If you have no desire whatsoever, be warned. You may be on your way to hell. You see how it flies here? Don't find assurance falsely. If it's not there, you might not be saved. If you want it to be there, pray for it. The prompting of the Spirit. Evidencing the fruits of godliness. You think of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. Oh, that's a good one in these days, isn't it? I was convicted even in my prayer on the way here with the kids. I was frustrated and angry at the Wuhan people for creating this stupid virus. And I'm, I'm praying curses down on them and the Lord caught me. Oh, hold on now. He's up. They need the gospel too, right? And so, do you catch yourself? Patience. In your judgment, remember mercy. Kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. There's a good one. Self-control. In our day, that is an evidence of the Holy Spirit. A fruit of His presence. And that's a confirmation with your spirit that He's there. Not that you're flopping around in the aisle. But that you are filled with the Spirit of God. Hmm. Children of God. Here it is. Children of God. To be brought into the family of God. Now, we taste a little bit of it in this life, but friends, it's coming. (laughs) The angels are in awe of what you have in Christ. They don't have that. They don't have that. You have His image. You have mercy and grace and forgiveness. They don't know what that's like. You are adopted into the very family of God. It's amazing. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God and so we are. The sinners, the rebels, the hellions, children of God. I hope it overwhelms you all the more as you see these verses. Number four, children of God share with Christ in suffering and inheritance children of God share with Christ in suffering and inheritance the prosperity gospel would like to eliminate one of those words they love to talk about Abraham and all the riches and all the blessings in this life right it's all yours you just got to go claim it what they never talk about is suffering as a gift of God suffering as a gift of God. 
we are called to share in the sufferings of Christ. Look at these verses. If children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. That's a mind blower right there. Fellow heirs with Christ. And here comes another condition. This is a real condition. It's real. Provided, or so long as, we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Christians will suffer with Christ. They will take up their cross. They will, they will share with Him in His insults. They will carry His name come what may. That's what we do. We're entering into a season where that's a little bit more direct than we felt it in times past. Where we have just a few miles from us in Canada, brothers and sisters who are being imprisoned as they share in the suffering of Christ. Children of God, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. Amazing. All that Christ has given, we are included in. We inherit the world. Christian, you inherit the world. He gives us all things. The suffering of Christ and the inheritance of Christ are hand in hand. Paul says that one leads to the next. Do you see the Gospel? Just think Philippians 2. He humbled Himself being willing to die on the cross. The most humbling death. Therefore God also highly exalted Him and bestowed upon Him the name that is above every name. Right? Look at the, look at the flow. First the suffering, the perseverance, the enduring to the end, and then the exaltation. Then the inheritance. That is our life as well. We follow His lead. Jesus said to His disciples, to all here who carry His name, you will be hated by all for My name's sake. Hmm. That's not just because you carry His name. It's for His name. It's for Him. It's for His glory. You will be hated by all for My glory. For my name's sake, you will be hated. But the ones who endure to the end will be saved. But the ones who are the ones who are saved, ultimate, glorified, the ones who endure to the end. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. Every single one. Not the same way, right? Not, it's not going to be the same for us as Glenn was praying for those in North Korea or Iran right now, they're experiencing a very different kind of persecution. But there is, a, there is a tinge of persecution that we carry when we carry the name of Christ, and that is for His glory. We were reading in Revelation how God has set a number. Before time, He set a number of martyrs that would be killed for His namesake. And He will not finish the, the, the final call until that number is complete. And that number, my friends, is not small. That number is massive. We're talking scores and scores of Christians will die 
for the sake of His name. Their blood will be spilled for His glory and His ordained praise in their deaths for Him. All who desire to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. Hebrews 13, 12-14, So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through His own blood. Therefore, let us go to Him outside the camp and bear the reproach He endured. Why would we do this? Look at the connection between suffering and inheritance. Look at how they move together. Persevere. Go to the end. Come what may. Don't quit. Don't give up, Christian. Share in His sufferings. Bear His reproach. Carry His name. For here, we have no lasting city. Oh, to the prosperity preachers, I explode that false gospel with that verse. Here, we have no lasting city. But we seek a city that is to come. You want to lay up treasure? Then live for eternity. And suffer as He ordains for you in this life that you might receive the inheritance that awaits you. Oh, verses to come are going to build this out all the more. This is the category, the doctrine that we refer to as the perseverance of the saints. This is something plain in Scripture. Not only is the believer secure because of the promises of God, but he is called in that security to hold fast all the way to the end. And I mean, look in the book of Revelation. This is everywhere. To to the one who overcomes, I will give crown of life. Overcome. Hold the line. Keep the faith. All believers are called to persevere in faith to the end. That's the call of Scripture. Persevere, Christian. Don't let up. Don't shrink back. Don't abandon Him. Don't leave Him. Don't deny Him. All believers must persevere in faith to the end. If you don't persevere in your faith in clinging to Christ, you reveal that you were unsaved. They went out from us because they were not of us, it says. True believers who trust Jesus will trust Him all the way to the end. Therefore, all believers will persevere in faith to the end. We're going to see that build out as well in the coming verses. This is a comfort and a call. Both. The comfort is I'm His. He holds me. He will lose nothing, Jesus said in John 6. I will lose nothing of all that the Father has given me. He holds you fast. He will hold you fast. And the call, hold Him. Don't let Him go. Don't give up. Don't let up. Hold Him for all your worth. All the way to the end. Come what may. Our response this morning, my prayer is that this is challenged As you answer this question, am I a child of God? If you came in with a label, I pray that if that's all you have, that these verses have stripped it bare. A label doesn't save. A life that gives evidence of Christ is a display of true life in the Gospel. Coming to church doesn't save. 
Doing good deeds doesn't save. But it shows that you may have been saved. It displays what is most important. The fruit that comes from the root. For those overconfident and unsaved, I would call you, run to Jesus Christ. Repent of your sins. Trust in Him. He saves sinners. Look again to the cross. Don't trust yourself in the things you do. Trust in Christ and all that He has already done for you. And you will be saved. For those insecure and fearful, I was just thinking about this. Just, this is picture to close with. Be encouraged. You have a Father who loves you. Whom you can cry to, Abba, Father. Run to Him. Embrace Him. Sometimes the best response is just the simple, I love you. Thank you for saving me. Help me as I make war on my sin. Hold me. Comfort me through Your Spirit. Assure me of my position in Christ. Grow me. Help me. Thank You for Your love. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we delight in these verses and we, we are amazed at Your love for us. We don't deserve Your love, but yet You give it. You are a good Father. You have sent Your Son to accomplish the salvation that we needed so desperately and could never find on our own, nor even want on our own. We thank You for the power of Your Spirit that has made us alive in Christ and that lives in us to help bring us to holiness each day. We pray that we would carry the gun of His power in our hunt to kill the deeds of the body. Help us to be at war with sin. Choke out the roots. Lord, remind us of all that Your Spirit does and bring confirmation with our spirit that we are sons of God. Heirs. Benefit, uh, those who will benefit eternally because of the work of Christ. And Lord, help us to just find that place where we just feel Your embrace. To, to know that You love us. That we are loved by You and that we love You. Oh God, we delight in Your Gospel today. We delight in, in You, Father. We delight in You, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, we delight in You as well. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.